Welcome to Dead Wax 78s. I'm Sean, your host. Here in this podcast, we're going to talk about things phonograph. Lost tunes, dead artists. Francis James Barrow, an English painter, the son of portrait painter Henry Barrow, he created one of the most iconic images in history. One of his works popularized the then new field of sound recording. Barrow's most famous work, his master's voice, is one of the best known commercial logos in the world, having inspired a music industry trademark depicting a Jack Russell Terrier named Nipper listening to his deceased master's voice from a gramophone, which has been used as a trademark by corporations including HMV, EMI, and RCA Victor. Our nipper from 1884 was a dog from Bristol, England, who served as the model for the 1898 painting by Francis. He was named Nipper because he would often nip at the back of visitors' legs. I don't know, I I would have called him Bitey. The iconic image of a dog looking into a phonograph became an international symbol of quality and excellence for the Victor Talking Machine Company and later RCA Victor. Endless novelty and promotional items featuring Nipper have been produced from pocket watches, paperweights, cigar lighters, fountain pens, coffee mugs and t-shirts. Nipper advertising items have long been popular collectibles. Another product of the Victor dynasty, the Compo Company Limited, was Canada's first independent record company. Compo was founded in 1918 in Lachine, Quebec by Herbert Berliner, an executive of Berliner Gramophone of Canada and the oldest son of the disc record inventor Emil Berliner. The Canadian phonograph record industry was, like many Canadian industries, primarily a subsidiary operation to U.S. firms. Compo was created to serve the several American independent record companies which wanted to distribute records in Canada, such as OK Records. Its initial business was pressing records in Canada for these companies. Herbert Berliner broke with Berliner Gramophones in 1921, taking several senior Berliner Gramophone executives with him. This allowed Compo to immediately expand into a full-fledged record company by establishing the Sun and Apex record labels, among others. Apex was the longest-lasting of the Compo labels, lasting into the 1970s. Here's side one. Mamie Smith, Crazy Blues, 1920. I don't know what 
After Nipper's death, Francis, his last owner and brother of his first owner, painted a picture of Nipper listening intently to an electric Edison Bell cylinder phonograph. Thinking the Edison Bell Company, located in New Jersey, might find it useful, he offered it to James E. Ho, who promptly replied, Dogs don't listen to phonographs. On the 31st of May, 1899, Barrow went to the Maiden Lane offices of the Gramophone Company to inquire about borrowing a brass horn to replace the original black horn in order to brighten up the painting. When Gramophone Company founder and manager William Barry Owen was shown the painting, he suggested that if the artist painted out the cylinder machine and replaced it with a Berliner disc gramophone, he would buy the painting. Francis happily obliged. Emil Berliner registered the trademark for use in the United States on the 10th of July, 1900. Now, back in Canada, in early 1919, the Compo Company began operations, at first pressing OK Masters for the Fanola label, and shortly thereafter pressing Gannett labels for the Star Piano Company's Canadian subsidiary, both phonograph firms had previously imported records. Originally, all Fonola records were identical to their OK equivalent, under the same numbers, while the Canadian Gannett were identical to their American counterparts. Berliner had further plans, however. In May 1921, the new Sun label was announced, accompanied in September by the more familiar Apex label. The two labels drew from both OK and Gannett, as well as Compo's own studios, inaugurated in July 1921. Here's side two, Canadian-born Shelton Brooks with a hole in the wall. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. I have a big surprise for you. Among the many celebrities here in the club this evening, we have our old friend and composer, 
of Darktown Strutter's Ball and Some of These Days and countless other song hits. And that is none other than our old friend, Shelton Brook. If you come out and give us a number, thank you very much. I thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for this lovely ovation. And I think I have time for one little number. So what would you like to hear? Oh, yeah, I expected that. <laughs> Somebody took her life. But late one night, to his surprise, old Fess saw with his own dear eyes his wife sneaking out the hole in the wall. <laughs> now they serve all kinds, delicious eat, fried chicken and all them fancy meats. But that pastry cook, bless her soul, showed us a good jelly roll. I know because I had some the hole in the wall. Meanwhile, Francis Barrow spent much of the rest of his working life painting 24 replicas of his original, as commissioned by the Gramophone Company. Following his death in 1924, other artists carried on the tradition until the end of the decade. Curiously, British Gramophone, the company that had first purchased the rights to the painting, would wait 10 years before finally replacing their angel, painted by artist Theodore Birnbaum, the image depicted a cherub marking grooves into a phonograph disc with a quill. Beginning in 1898, the Gramophone Company in the United Kingdom used this angel as a trademark on its record labels and players, then replaced with Nipper as their primary trademark. The sidelined angel would then be used only in locales where, for legal reasons, Nipper could not be used. It finally regained its former status as a primary trademark in 1953 when it became the EMI Angel. As for Compo, it was one of the only Canadian record companies to survive the Great Depression. RCA Victor Records of Canada, formerly Berlin Gramophone, was the other. It is currently the oldest Canadian label that formed parts of Sony Music Entertainment in Canada. Compo always recorded Canadian performers, mostly from the pop field. Though in the 1920s, such concert performers as Rex Battle, J.B. Dubois, Paul Dufault, and Rudolf Plamondon sang for Compo. Here's side three. It's 
Rodolphe Plamondon with O Canada, Mon Pays, Mes Amours, 1925. Nipper statues still sit atop of the former RCA buildings in Albany and Baltimore. A giant nipper in stained glass graces the tower of the former RCA building in Camden, New Jersey. While RCA largely retired nipper in the late 60s as a commercial icon, he was revived in television ads in the 90s, live and unshackled from his gramophone with a new companion, a cuddly and marketing-friendly puppy named Chipper. Notorious street artist Banksy 
appropriated the classic image, adding Nipper to his stable of recurring images and bringing Nipper full circle from the fickle status of commercial icon back into the nominally more permanent world of art, albeit with a tongue-in-cheek edition of a bazooka that Nipper now placidly aimed right back at the oppressive void of the gramophone horn into which he had stared for over a century. In 1935, Campo became the Canadian licensee for the American Decca Records. American Decca bought Campo in 1951, with Berliner staying on as president until his death in 1966. MCA Incorporated acquired Campo when it acquired American Decca. Campo was renamed MCA Records Canada in 1970. The company eventually evolved into Universal Music Canada, thus ending a great Canadian music enterprise. Here's side four on the Apex label. Leo Le Sieur, à Québec, on a des navaux, 1929. It's a song about turnips. No, no, I'm not making this up. Chante à les Américains On a des ananas Ont répondu les Parisiens Et je me demande pourquoi Nous ne pourrions pas, nous Québécois Leur répondre une bonne fois à pleine voix À Québec On a des navaux De jolis navaux Des petits, des moyens et des gros De New York Jusqu'à Chicago, chacun sait que les navaux Québec sont les plus beaux. Nous n'avons pas de bananes, d'oranges, ni de citron, pas d'ananas, ni de watermelon. Mais à Québec, on a des navaux qui sont aussi gros que des bosses de chameaux. On trouve dans chaque pays des merveilles. Et ma foi, c'est permis, on aime toujours à s'en vanter. Moi, je ne vois pas qu'on a besoin d'aller se promener si loin pour dépenser tout son argent inutilement. À Québec, on a des nabos, de jolis nabos, des petits, des moyens et des gros, de New York jusqu'à Chicago. Chacun sait que les navaux de Québec sont les plus beaux. On a les champs de bataille et le gouvernement, le château Frontenac et le fleuve Saint-Laurent. Mais à Québec, on a des navaux qui sont aussi gros que des bosses de chameaux. À Québec, on a des navaux, de jolis navaux, des petits, des moyens et des gros. De New York jusqu'à Chicago. Chacun sait que les navaux de Québec sont les plus beaux. Nous avons pas de bananes, d'oranges, ni de citron, pas d'ananas, ni de watermelon. Mais à Québec, on a des navaux qui sont aussi gros que des bosses de chameaux. Thank you for listening to Dead Wax 78. I'm Sean, and I'll catch you on the flip side.